0: Test.com or go to the link on the writingworship.co website.
1: Brave Worship, episode 53.
0: You're listening to the Brave Worship Podcast with Chrissy Nordhoff and Mary Beth Dodd. Brave Worship is all about encouraging women to write, lead, and live worship.
1: Hey, okay, so what's up? What's up, everybody? We're waiting on our coffee right now. We are. We just screamed, we need coffee! And it worked because and the door worked. opened and someone said, regular or deco? <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, yes. And then
2: what did you say? I said, I have a confession to make.
1: And I said...
2: What did you say? Are you on drugs? Oh, yeah. And
1: that, you said, no, no, I'm not.
2: That would have been way more interesting yes. than this. But no, what happened was I fasted coffee for the month of January. Yes. And I'm just not that into it anymore. I can't believe it. I know,
1: I feel like a phony. It's like it's like part of your identity. I agree. It's on, you said it's on your Instagram, like listed on the top. It is. It's like, like if you could I'm a put, mom and
2: I love coffee.
1: You don't even put on there... I'm a sister, or I'm an aunt, or I'm a daughter, it's coffee. I I know. Coffee wins.
2: It's going to have to go off there.
1: What's going to go on instead? I have to really do some soul searching here. We're going to have to pray about this. What's the one food or drink item that's going to replace that? If
2: you're going to put one thing, what is it? I
1: know what mine is. Kombucha? Nope. I quit eating that because it's too much sugar. I know, I know chimichurri. <laughs> <laughs> no. I Christy do love chimichurri chimichurri that. Nordop. All right. I do love chimichurri sauce. Did you like it? I love it. Okay. I made it last night and I made Christmas
2: unforgettable <laughs> surprise, right? They were so unforgettable. Yeah. So, so
1: we're having Mexican night. So I'm looking through what can I make and not go to the store? And I find this Mexican homemade chocolates recipe, but you have to pour it in a silicone mold. And I only have one silicone mold, and it's gingerbread men. So why not?
2: It was like a Christmas Mexican-themed <laughs> spicy, very spicy, very dark chocolate.
1: Did you think it was
2: spicy? I didn't try it. I didn't taste I got scared <laughs> after Tatum tried it and goes, oh, spicy. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. You're I don't know if I'm out. ready for that.
1: And then I left... Um, Well, I asked Chris if he liked it. Do you remember that moment?
2: "Mm, Not my favorite.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which I can't believe
2: he even admitted. The best moment, though. The best moment of last night. Okay, Chrissy shows up, you guys, at my house for small group, and she says, the day started out great. It started out with homemade chocolates, and then it ended with Taco Bell.
1: (laughs) So I knew the chocolates were Very, very questionable. You know, it's like the first time you ever make a recipe. And of course, me, I'm always trying to make healthy recipes, which even narrows down your success rate even more. (laughs) So... Made those and I was like, I don't think these are going to work and drove through Taco Bell to get those twisty cinnamon things.
2: They were a hit. I'm pretty sure those were completely gone. <laughs> I'm pretty sure my kids had those for dinner. That was the <laughs> well, only well, thing they ate.
1: Okay. Well, at least somebody ate that because no one ate the chocolates because I left them on your counter with a note.
2: I have I have not seen them since then. So I don't know. <laughs> did Chris find it? I, I think so. I don't know what he did with them.
1: I bet, be say, I bet he threw them away. I bet he threw them away. Might
2: have sounds like something he'd do.
1: Let's text him and ask him. Did yes. you throw away those chocolates? Okay, let's throw right now.
2: You. you do it. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Poor now. Chris. He's gonna take the bait. <laughs> we'll see. He's in <laughs> carpool right now, so I don't know if he will answer. Okay. It'll be interesting to see. For sure. <laughs> all right.
1: It was kind of sad because they looked all kid friendly. <laughs>
2: It was it, it was kind of a friendly. mean trick. It was, <laughs> it's like, why don't we make a Chipotle cupcake in the shape of a, a heart with red. Funfetti sprinkles on top? <laughs> Let me
1: just
2: see <laughs> your he's, baby. He's like, I want one. I know. Oh, spicy! <laughs> so mean. We oh should take gosh. orders, though, you guys. If you would like to order up. So, paleo paleo christmas spicy mexican chocolates just send us a message let us worship. know we will be sure to
1: we know how to fill those orders we i do. have
2: just the recipe we do I, this reminds me of one of our first episodes and we had megan newell in here and you yeah. made some cake and you were like megan how do you like your cake and she was like it's disgusting
1: <laughs> oh my gosh not? and i worked so hard you remember it was all <laughs> yes. paleo and i made like I don't know what I used for the sugar for the
2: frosting. I thought it was pretty good. But guess what? What? She would probably love it now because now she's eating really, really paleo.
1: Well, Megan Newell, Megan now Newell. you want that you birthday made, cake. You made
2: it on the podcast and you want cake.
1: Now you want that cake, there. Megan.
2: You said it. We said it.
1: Oh, my gosh. All right. So is he answering? So, he says, here we go. I ate another <laughs> <laughs> Half of one, and then I threw them out. Thanks for leaving them for me with my name on them.
2: <laughs> she literally wrote on the the paper plate. It said "Chris's
1: only." <laughs> oh, <clears throat> to which I'm gonna say, "You're welcome." <laughs>
2: <laughs> we need so- get in the habit of making more surprise. Goodies.
1: Yeah, we do. I'm going to remember these. When Chris's birthday rolls around next year, I'm going to make a real to do about these. I think you should. I think we need to make a cake and put these on top. It must be shaped like a gingerbread man. A giant one. (laughs) Giant silicone gingerbread man. Does anyone know where to buy one?
2: (laughs) It's got to be out there. Otherwise, we can use the Spider Man.
1: Yep, we got a Spider Man. We do.
2: Woo! All right. Well, so, I'm excited for this episode. Yeah, Tell me
1: too. It. Yeah. So um, I was on a podcast with Joe from Frequency FM. You may have heard of that podcast before. And um, I just love their hearts and what they're doing. And um, so they interviewed me from a songwriter perspective. He interviewed me from that perspective. And we thought it would be great to share with our audience too. So go follow him follow them and, um, check out what they're doing. Cause there's some great stuff going on.
2: All right, guys. Enjoy.
3: Well, the first question I'd like to ask you as we get started, um, I'm curious if you just share with me a little bit about your faith background, where you grew up and, um, uh, and what faith was like in your family.
1: Yeah. Well, I grew up on a farm in the middle of nowhere in Michigan, Oh, okay. Um, a hundred acre farm. So my, my, uh, dad was the third generation i was the fourth generation on that farm and um it was kind of in dutch territory so i grew up going to a dutch reformed church okay um as well as a Wesleyan church so it was sort of those two denominations
3: what is that culturally like then
1: um the reformed church was pretty conservative yeah Um, similar to Presbyterian, I think it might even be part of the same umbrella sort of. Um, I mean, it depended on our pastor. So one of our pastors, we had wore like a, a robe and looked more priestly and we did a lot more liturgy, um, things like that. And we definitely did hymns like hymns was the thing, you know, um, In both churches, both denominations. So I I spent a lot of time studying hymns, for sure.
3: So um, did they allow instruments?
1: Yes, they did allow instruments.
3: Okay, some of them are pretty strict on that stuff, so I'm glad to hear that you had instruments. So did you start singing in church? Was that kind of where your introduction to singing was?
1: Yes, I I think I sang when I was pretty little one time, but I don't remember it. The first time I remember singing in church, I was 11 years old. My cousin played the piano and I had my back to the congregation while I sang.
3: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You were just that nervous and didn't want to see their response to you?
1: Yes. I didn't want to see anybody. And
3: you have have since learned to turn around.
1: I have turned around. You'd be really proud of me. I I I actually transitioned from back to the audience to, I went through, a. I had a teacher that taught me how to pan the audience. So ah like, the audience, Yeah, I looked like an oscillating fan. like this. <laughs>
3: yeah. and
1: I've, I've um I've since made it past that phase too, so
3: good. Good. Are yeah. there any videos that we can see that either present yes. you move past that or what it actually looked like? Do you have those available? You
1: know what? It's really funny. I was on this like local Christian TV show, and they had cameras like taking shots from different angles while I was panning. At the same time,
3: so it's like the Earth revolving around the Sun, or something yeah, like that. That's
1: really bad, <laughs> really bad. I um, know we have those somewhere.
3: Well, yeah. yeah, that needs to be uploaded along with the cat photo. <laughs>
1: so. Okay, all right.
3: So, where are you at oh, now wow. in terms of church? So, you we, you had the the Dutch Reformed and in yeah. Michigan, and and uh, where are you at now?
1: It's been really interesting since moving to Nashville. Well, I went to school at Anderson University in Indiana which was Church of God, denomination, um, Anderson. And then um, moving into Nashville, I've been here for 22 years. So we've, we've sort of been at a few different churches. We've um, experienced, my husband got saved actually at a four-square church. So, All right. that's so that does happen. Different. Yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> yes. And then um, Baptist. And currently we're at a Church of God um, denomination based out of Cleveland, Tennessee. So the other church of God. So it's been a really wide array of different, um, you know, theology and worship and just overall, you know, structure and experience. Um, but I honestly, I feel like we've experienced so much diversity. I, I really feel like, um, at this point I can really appreciate all of it, you know, yeah. I feel like I can sort of just be dropped in any one of those places and I'll be okay. Um, well, I
3: have a a Catholic background. And, do you really? Yeah. And uh, even though I go to a non-denominational church and I've attended uh, Presbyterian, Baptist, Methodist, you know, you know, four square, pretty much yeah. you name it. I, I have attended church, but um, like you, you know, I, when I reflect on my Catholic upbringing, it's, um, it's very, um, very close to me in terms of appreciating the ritual and I can attend, yeah. really get something out of it, uh, even if I don't call myself that. So I think, you know, who we are faith as uh, in faith has so much to do with that melting pot of our yes. experience. Um, I think okay. it helps us to engage with people as well when we engage them, whether it's in music or in worship or just uh, having faith conversations.
1: Oh yeah. And it's a lot like culture, you know, when you go overseas and you experience another culture, it opens your eyes. And, um, I believe it's the same way with denominations. It's, it is experiencing different church cultures and it's opening your eyes and opening your heart to diversity and, um, and other ways, which is awesome. Yeah. yeah.
3: Uh, Getting exposed to uh, something I pray every week when I lead worship is that our children are, are exposed um, to the world, but that they're strong enough in their faith and their understanding that they can take that in and be, and, and still move forward in confidence and courage and something I think is really important these days.
1: That's awesome. I love
3: well, that. Let me, uh, you're a songwriter and I obviously, mm-hmm. I want to talk about songwriting with you today. Um, where does songwriting start for you? Was that start in college or, you know, were you writing hymns? What were you doing?
1: Um, I actually started writing songs when I was about five years old. Um, I didn't really realize that's what I was doing. And even, you know, my piano teachers through the years and things like that, they weren't sure what I was, I wasn't following the rules, you know? Right. Um, and it was kind of hard to figure out what I was doing, but I was actually writing songs. So, um, I learned a lot from my grandmother and, um, my first things, you know, how to play the piano a little bit. And, one of one of my grandmothers, she was very musical and really inspired me. She passed away when I was five. So I didn't realize that till years later that that was the year I started writing songs. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah. But yeah, continued through high school. And then um, when I went to Anderson University, I had a songwriting class. And um, that really changed the trajectory of my life. I think um, the teacher of that class was Gloria Gaither. So oh, yeah. she only taught like, I think two semesters and um I I was lucky enough to have her one and um yeah and that really pushed me that direction and, um and I moved to Nashville to pursue basically Christian music working in that industry
3: So you've been you've been writing since college mm-hmm. um one of the things is we were exchanging emails before we got the interview set up was uh, you mentioned there's this um a shift in churches wanting to incorporate original songs. Um, one of the first things that I thought is, okay, so why is that a good idea? And then why is that a bad idea? Because I can see (laughs) that, um, i you know, I write, I don't write a lot and I, on reflection, some of my songs are really, truly awful. And, and there's one that I like. (laughs) Um, so what does that, um, what does that shift mean in a good way from your perspective?
1: Well, as far as, yeah, the good side of things, I would say, um, there's an opportunity to be more specific about expressing the voice of your congregation. Mm. So depending on what themes God's speaking to your people, um, there can be songs that voice that, or if your congregation's going through grief, you can voice that in a way that's specific to your congregation and your people. Um, And yeah, I think there are songs that you can pull from anywhere and use in those situations, but sometimes it's something different when it's from literally one of the hearts in your congregation that knows all the intricacies of the dynamics of what's been going on. You can express it in a, in a clear and specific way. Yeah. And I think that's the number one benefit.
3: Yeah. I suppose, I mean, in a lesser way, having an understanding of, how they respond to different songs and different styles of music helps as well. Um, But that, I think that's more secondary to just having an awareness of the heart of your church and the culture of your church and, and what is what's current there, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And even what's to come, you know, even what you think Scott is going to do in your church or direction you feel him leading you. That's a whole nother subject you can write on.
3: I'll give you the opportunity to respond to this, but what, what would, what are the pitfalls of writing for your own church? Let's say I'm at, let, I'll just yeah. say I'm at a church of like a, about a hundred people. Um, mm-hmm. I'm the worship leader. I could write songs there. What would that scenario look like in a bad way?
1: Well, I think sometimes, you know, and I, and I'll get a lot of emails and stuff from people about them wanting to start to learn how to write songs um, but a lot of times it's just they haven't been given the right tools, right? Um, or haven't had the experience, or sometimes it's even, um, they haven't had the faith base, you know, um, to write from a correct place theologically. Yeah. So it's really, I mean, you have to, you have to have all of those things lined up. So your heart, your theology, and you need to have skills and then experience, I think is also helpful. So those four things, um, if any of those are lacking, you know, you can get off track pretty quick.
3: Yeah. Uh, The one that really can, it was resonates with me and and would have been convicting to me a number of years ago was your connection to like the scripture. Like I remember as I was trying to understand what do I have to do to do do a better job at what I'm doing as a worship leader and as a songwriter. And Mm -hmm one of the number one things is, boy, you better know your Bible. You better really spend time in scripture. And and I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that. And so this is me, you know, being very vulnerable here because I just remember thinking, I, I don't think I have time for that. Um, I think I got it. I'm okay at that. And how, how important is that really Mm. Um, from a worship perspective? It's, it's pretty much at the top of the list, isn't it? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. In fact, um one of the things Darlene Check said to us one time mm. was um worship needs to be a well worn path. And and I've done like you said, I've done times or seasons where I'm not really in the scripture that much. And then I've done other seasons and um right, right now I'm in a season where I've been journaling and in the word every single morning pretty yeah. much. And I feel like my rights are completely different. Like walking into a right with a full heart is um, is way different than walking in with an emptiness or even a numbness, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. So it's, it changes everything. And, and I don't, I'm not a huge um, stickler on um, being worried about theology during the creative process, because I feel like sometimes that can stop you up, but I really do feel like if you're in the word every day um, and you're learning to listen to the Holy Spirit outside of the writer's room, that when you get in the writing room, it's no different. Um, and you'll hear, you know, a lot of times you'll just hear from his heart and you'll hear the right things. And, you know, if not, you can always go back later and dissect theology. But for the most part, if he's guiding you through the scriptures, he'll guide you in the right. Right.
3: I really, I really appreciate that because I think that could become a—I don't want to say stumbling block, but a barrier to the creativity—is if you write a lyric and you say, "Wait, before we move on to this next one, let's destroy the flow of the writing session while we right. <laughs> research the theological accuracy of this statement." Um, uh, so I hear you. Allow the spirit to guide that, and then, uh, and then don't be afraid after the fact to um, to review and make sure that. you're lining up correctly or you're not completely off base with some of that stuff.
1: Exactly. Yep. I like that too. It it just makes a lot of sense. And like you said, like, you know, sometimes when the Holy Spirit's flowing, you can feel it and it might be through one person in the room. Um, and you never want to shut that down.
3: Yeah. But what if, um, what if I'm like in isolation? Like if I'm an individual, you know, I don't have a writing room where I meet with people or necessarily, um, co-writers or anything like that. Um, I think we've talked a little bit about mentoring. Um, you had that yes. in college and you've uh, mentioned Darlene check. Um, uh, so what would somebody like me or somebody listening, if they wanted mentoring for songwriting, what kind of recommendations do you have for that?
1: Well, honestly, I had, um, I did have Gloria during that time period of my life, but when I got to Nashville, I felt very alone for quite a while. Yeah, And, um, you know, navigating all these writing and I didn't know what I was doing and how to do it. And, um, I prayed for a mentor for 15 years. Um, and year 15, I said, Lord, why have you not answered my question? And he said, (laughs) he said, be what you need. And so I started mentoring girls. I started, I started gathering people.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I think sometimes the Lord puts us in a situation to see a need um, if we're supposed to fill it, you know? Um, and so I learned a lot that way. But I would say um, the number one thing that changed my writing, especially when it comes to worship, and is something that you can do by yourself, is singing the Psalms out loud.
3: Uh, yeah, Um,
1: I feel like I've learned more about songwriting specifically worship, um, by doing that than any other way than by being in the room with anybody else, but literally just, um, listening, you know, learning to listen, um, just, I don't know. There's just sort of a spiritual imprint that happens on your heart, um, that I can't necessarily put into words, but it's real and um it's alive and it's the best um you know worship songs that we have to learn from in my opinion
3: well they they've they've um withstood the test of time you know yes. <laughs> for those of us who get wrapped up in the hymns which are really popular songs that just happen to stand the test of time um you know the these are the the these are worship songs that people had memorized they they knew them all uh they yes. knew the tunes and um And so why, why not spend time just with the laments and and the cries out to God and Mm -hmm. the praising and glorification as it's written there and, and to just soak in that.
1: Yeah. And, and what I've learned too about the Psalm specifically that I love is that David doesn't ever usually just start off straight away with praise. He, He will go through that lament. He will show you the journey. Yeah. And then the Lord will break through and and that's when He goes into praise. and you hear the journey. and um it's sort of like watching a good movie. like if you yeah. go straight to the happy ending, um, you know there's something missing. And I feel like the same is true of us in writing worship songs today. Um, that if we can share some of the journey, but always end in a way that's um, uplifting, yeah. rejoicing um, redemptive. That's, I feel like that's the way it should be.
3: No, I love that. I think, yeah, you providing a context for people, you know, why am I happy? Well, here's where I was and here's where I am. And, um, yes. thank you, God, glory to God for all you've given me.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. Exactly.
3: Mm-hmm. I was on your website and poking around like I'm want to do. And they, this thing popped up in my face, songwriter personality test. I know this is a big shift, What is that? Is that like a Myers-Briggs for songwriters or?
1: Yeah, pretty much. I haven't like totally studied Myers-Briggs, but yeah, it's, um, it's a personality test. And, and, you know, a lot of times when I'm walking into a co-write, people have been saying to me, are you lyrics or music? And I felt like, I think I'm more lyrics, but I know that's not all I am, you know? So, I just started over the course of time to notice what all my friends were like. They all had these variations of their writer personalities. And, um, and so, you know, over several years, just of all of that observing sort of came up with seven different personalities. And, um, it's really helpful to know what you are specifically. And then it helps you to figure out, um, how you would best work in a writing room, like which other personalities, you know, would be good to write with. So interesting. It'll save you some headache. It'll save you some really hard writes if you do it.
3: Yeah. I've I mean I've definitely heard nightmare stories from my from my songwriting friends. Michael Farron always has good stories. Um (laughs) but uh of getting into a room and just being uncomfortable for a period of time. And then there's other times you walk in and all of a sudden you just click. So is right. that um is that what I would hope to understand from taking that test is kind of
1: yes well and and a lot of times the problem comes when you have exactly the same gifting mm. so the whole point is to get as much diversity in the room as possible so everybody can shine in their strength and work together instead of opposing one another um, yeah and and I've found you know I have my certain friends that I'll write with on a regular basis, and I know now what their gifts are and why it works, you know, why it works with them. There is also like, you know, just a spirit or a heart component too. Yeah. Um, which you can't necessarily figure out on paper, but this gives you a really good start and a really good direction and might just narrow things down if you're looking at co-writing.
3: So that's something, you, uh, some you can take on your website. Yes. Um, and, it's go ahead. Christy
1: slash test.
3: And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, share a link with folks. And if I am astute enough technologically, I'll even put a link on the screen so you can maybe over my face so that you can just, jump, <laughs> you can jump over there and check that out. I haven't taken it, but I'm really intrigued by it. And I feel like that's probably something that, that I should do. How long would it take me to take the test?
1: Um, a little more than five minutes, maybe.
3: I think I can afford that. I think you I have can time do it. for that.
1: I you can, can do, do it. Do it. At
3: lunch. I'll, I'll do it. Yes. And, uh, uh, cool. I'm, I'm excited to try that. And then maybe I can share results with people and, and find out. Is there, you said there were seven is one of them non-writer.
1: Um, I don't know. No, no, no. <laughs> there's no like bad answers. I don't know if okay. you know who Dave Clark is, but Dave Clark will not take my test because he says he's going to fail. There's no failing.
3: Okay, good. It's, I'm a good test. taker. All good. <laughs> all
1: right. It's well, all cool. good. All
3: right. Well, yes. I'm going to try it and I'm going to and uh, maybe I'll even maybe because I'm trying to experiment more with video, I'll take it uh, and I'll do the video of me taking it and share the results with people just so people can see what that looks like
1: That would be awesome.
3: Cool. Uh, I want to
1: see what you get.
3: I, yeah, I'm 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 intrigued. And I, I love those tests. Uh, enneagram. Have you done the enneagram? Yes. Which one are you? 4. I'm a 2, so but I have a 3 wing. Um, so I'm the helper (laughs) with the three wings. So you're the creative. Um,
1: I don't know what my wing is. I haven't gotten that far.
3: That's all right. I don't know. I love it. But anyway, that's a, that's a side discussion. Um, one question I had here along the realm of songwriting is I think about songs that we write, that we love that never go anywhere.
1: Hmm. Is there a
3: song that you have written whenever within the last 22 years that you're like, this song is amazing and nobody's figured it out yet. What Do you have well, one on top of your head?
1: Yes, I have one song. And it has gotten into the church. And it was recorded once, but not like in a worship kind of setting. Um, but it's called Mercy Tree.
3: Oh, I've, I I've heard of it, but I don't one. know why I've heard of it.
1: Yeah, it was on a Billy Graham project that they did. But like an artist hasn't ever done it. It was on the Billy Graham project. Lacey Sturm did it. Um. Actually, you know what? I can't say that. Anthony Evans did record it too, but well, it hasn't been like a mainstream worship person. You know what I mean?
3: I do. Yeah. So it's called and Mercy so, Tree. Is it Mercy available? Uh, CCli.
1: Yep. All yes. right.
3: Because I, I, I think we all have those songs that we've written, and we're like, you know, I just this hasn't gone where I hoped it would be, or maybe it's gone as far as God wants it to go, but right. Um. Yeah. But, uh, it's hard well, it's, to
1: figure that out. It's hard to figure out, you know, um, where they're all going to fly. And he really does control, you know, Yeah. which ones go where. So, yeah,
3: there are times when a song becomes really popular and I go, God, I don't know what your intention with this song was <laughs> <laughs> because, uh, because I wouldn't have picked that one, but that's where yeah. our own personal preferences kick in. There's one that I'm thinking of right now, that, uh, I'll tell you offline that I just go, I, d- I don't know how that ever became popular, but yeah, uh, but we won't talk about that here. That would be embarrassing to the people who wrote this. <laughs> We've been talking for quite a while, but I want to make sure we have a chance to talk a little about brave worship. Um, can you tell me what brave worship is? I know you're, you're involved. Um, and there, This no, uh, is it Meredith? Is, uh, Mary
1: wait. Beth, my Mary sister. Beth.
3: <clears throat> there you go, because yes. you, both your photos were on the website. So, what's Brave Worship?
1: Well, um, like I mentioned before, I started mentoring about eight years ago. So, Brave Worship is sort of an extension of that. And it's um, my sister, Mary Beth, and I, um, along with lots of other women on our leadership team, but we exist to sort of encourage, mm. provide resources for, pray for females that are in the worship industry in any yeah. way, worship leading or worship writing. So we have a podcast called Brave Worship. Um, we do live quarterly events. We're doing our conference this week, I actually, know. um, this Friday and Saturday. And then, uh, every once in a while, we'll do a trip over to the UK and do a writing trip. So, but we're, we're building community. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we just felt like, you know, just me being in that, in a staff writing position and my sister was a worship leader for about 15 years leading. Um, you know, it's, it's just an interesting position. It's different because there are so few women in those worlds. And, yeah. um, and we just feel like some of it just comes from the fact that they just purely need encouragement. And, um, so we just hope to provide that and provide a community that fosters
3: that I just want to affirm you for the work you're doing thank with brave you. worship and, and supporting women in, in that role. I think there's a voice that we're not missing if we are not encouraging women enough um, mm. in worship and songwriting and perspective. It needs to be uh from the rooftops you know
1: mm. thank you so much,
3: last question for you, and then I'll let you uh, get back to your your Halloween decorating activity, <laughs> whatever that is um, and this is random question so um do you watch anything on streaming TV? Nope. No, you Netflix, nothing. You don't watch anything.
1: I really, you know what? It's really weird, but I don't. And part of it is like we have five remotes and I don't want to go through all the effort of figuring them out. (laughs) It's terrible. I really don't. I don't watch TV like hardly at all just because I don't know. I want to create, you know, like, I don't know. I have a weird, I grew up, like I told you, like in the middle of nowhere. So yeah. we didn't even have a TV a lot of the time. Yeah. So I sort of grew up learning to, I guess, create things during that time. Um, that's, but yeah, that's,
2: oh, that's there
1: is there is one thing I will watch with my husband when he turns it on, though. The Prophet.
3: What is The Prophet?
1: Um, it's a business guy who goes into businesses and basically like ah. renovates them. And
3: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, it's a reality TV. I've never watched it, but, um, but now okay. that you mention it, I, I recognize that. Okay. Then yeah. since, since you, I, I can't, uh, I can't suck you into telling me what you're watching on streaming TV. What's a guilty pleasure musically, something musically that you like to listen to that you won't necessarily want everybody to know about, but now will know about. <sighs>
1: Oh man, I'm so boring. Um, I love Amy Grant still.
3: That's not a guilty pleasure. Ha- You're safe. You're safe. I
1: don't. I don't have anything. I literally. I'm so boring. I'm no, so no. No
3: Barry Manilow. No meatloaf. No bread. No. Um. Eddie no. Rabbit.
1: No. No. <laughs> no. It's terrible. I. I think sometimes I listen to music so much during the days because I'm writing all day. Um. Most days that I I don't listen to a ton. I I listen more to you know some podcasts and some talk stuff and yeah. you know so I go more that direction um, a lot of time. I'm so boring.
3: No, you're not boring. No, I appreciate you because um, you're immersed in it all the time. So yeah, um, it's maybe hard to to get any cathartic kind of experience out of listening to music when that is what you're doing all the time.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah.
3: So pitch me a podcast. What's the podcast, your favorite podcast right now?
1: Um, Let's see. I like Annie, Annie Downs.
3: Okay. That sounds
1: yeah. fun. Have you heard her?
3: Uh, I've heard of her. I haven't heard her.
1: Yeah, she's pretty cool. I was you just listen. listening to uh, Chris Balaton. He's got some really interesting stuff out there about um, female leadership. Oh, cool. Um,
3: and yeah. you listen to uh, On Being...
1: I haven't heard that yet.
3: Yeah, I think uh, Krista Tippett on being, um, it's excellent, excellent stuff.
1: I need to check that one out. I'm going to look that one up.
3: Cool. I think we're all good. Anything you want to share before we head out?
1: Um, Just one thing I'd like to share um, for people that are interested in possibly learning the basics of how to write worship songs. Yeah. um, I've just put out a new course. So it's an online course. Okay. So it's, um, you can find it on my website, but basically, um, what I've learned after sitting in the room with, you know, a lot of up and coming artists, up and coming writers was that people needed the basic skills, but they also, um, it would, it would be helpful to understand the basic heart about, Mm. um, what it takes to walk into a room to write um, that direction. So it approaches both things, heart and skill. And, um, yeah, it's on, it's up on my website.
3: It's right next to the personality test
1: right after that.
3: All right. You got it. And so, um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to share the links with folks to your website, to the personality test and to, to so the, um, the songwriting the course, right? It's a course, right? Yeah.
1: It's All a right. course.
3: And um, we'll encourage people to check that out. I really appreciate your time. And um, I'm looking forward to chatting with you maybe again in the future.
1: Sounds awesome. (laughs) Take care (laughs) of yourself. Okay, nice to meet you. Be sure to join
2: us at braveworship.com. Find us on social at Brave Worship on Instagram and Facebook. And you can even join our Facebook community called Brave Worship Community. See you
0: there. You've been listening to the Brave Worship Podcast with Dove Award winning songwriter, Chrissy Nordhoff, and worship leader and music pastor, Mary Beth Dodd. Visit braveworship.com forward slash free song and sign up for the email list to get updates on all the latest Brave Worship events, conferences, and retreats. Plus, get free songs to use in your next worship service, complete with chord chart and track. Also, find out how you can join Chrissy and Mary Beth in person at the next Brave Worship conference. Simply visit braveworship.com forward slash conference to learn more.
4: The times I've grown most as a songwriter are the times I've had mentors showing me the way. If you're looking to grow as a songwriter, we're now accepting applications for our Worship Songwriter Mentorship. Now it's available only a few times each year. The Worship Songwriter Mentorship is a songwriting intensive that will help you craft impactful worship songs. It's a course created by Dove Award winning and Grammy nominated, uh, drumroll here please, <laughs> our founder, pro songwriter Chrissy Nordoff. It's a small group community, and it's led by other songwriters over the course of nine weeks. It's an intensive course and a small group co-writing environment, and that means you'll be added to a special group of about 12 writers, give or take. Each group is led by experienced songwriters, some of them my dear, dear friends, and I've even gotten to lead a group or two. Rachel here, by the way. We love the church, and we love to champion fellow worship songwriters just like yourself. In this mentorship, you'll learn how to write songs for you and your congregation. You'll go deeper in your intimacy with Jesus. You'll get the tools needed to help craft songs more easily and never run out of creative ideas. Okay, I know it sounds too good to be true, but trust me, this course is a game changer. You'll learn how to leverage your unique songwriting personality and connect with other like-minded writers in a meaningful way. Truly, I can't think of another course, group of people, community that has impacted my songwriting the way that this mentorship has. If you're wanting to take the next steps in your songwriting journey, then apply now at the link in our show notes. We hope to see you there.